Father, I ask that you would minister to us this morning in your word. I pray that you would bring strength to us. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be excited and and bold and clear in, in the preaching of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would let us recognize and understand the unique anointing that you have given us and that we would walk in this anointing, Father, this partnership with the Holy Spirit. And Father, we would anticipate and believe for the wonderful things that only you can do. We, it, we're humbled that we can be co-laborers with you. But all of the power is yours and all of the glory is yours. And Father, we live in faith, doing what you tell us to do, believing what you tell us to believe. And Father, we, we're excited about it because you're moving in this earth and the devil is stirred up. And Father, he cannot prevent you from doing what you want to do. And so we thank you and give you the glory this morning. And I ask that you would please help me to minister today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 10. And I'm going to begin reading around verse 36. And I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. Um, Last week, I talked about the kindness of God. I want to talk to you about God's goodness. I'm not going through a series or anything like that. Kindness of God, goodness of God. I've just simply um, have been moved last week and I've been moved this week in regards to God's goodness and what it looks like. And, And I want you to consider what God's goodness looks like and how it should look through us. And the opportunity that we have right now in a world that really is not good. There's a lot of hate in the world, darkness and evil that's in the world. And it's increasing. It's growing. Jesus even told us in the last days, the hearts of men will grow even more cold. And men will wax worse. And that waxing is to become hardened. And they'll become more hostile, more, more thirsting for blood, if you will. Um, a, lot of these, a lot of these people that, that came with Hamas are teenagers, you know. And they were brought up since they were babies to hate the Jews. They were shown these cartoons about how to behead and how to kill. And what to do to Jews when you find them. They grew up their whole life on this. And it just hard them to the condition of life, um, not even considering a Jewish person being a human being. And, and we've seen that happen in history. That's what the Nazis had to do. They had to make the Jews less than, than, than human in order for them to be exterminated. What I marvel about is that we wouldn't do this to animals. Um, it is, it's just so demonic. It, it, the, the capability of a man, the capability of a human being, and the hardness of their heart, the anger that could reside in a person's life, the bitterness, the resentment that could build up because of just life, the, 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 the waves of life and affliction and injustice and misunderstanding that we go through. It affects you. It affects how you relate to other people. It affects you being involved in somebody else's life because, well, fact of the matter, you've got enough problems for yourself. You know, you don't need to deal with somebody else's problems in your life. And instead of being a servant that the, the Bible leads us to, we just kind of isolate ourselves and maybe let's just get in a community of people and maybe in the community some good things could be done and we could take some credit for that. <clears throat> but Jesus came into the world 
And really, he was, the, he was the first in initiating this new covenant that God had given or would give to man. And Jesus is ministering in an anointing that is extremely unique. Um, never before has anybody seen the kind of anointing that Jesus Christ was walking in. And it was, it was so contagious. Um, it, Jesus really drew out the kind of people that the Pharisees could never draw. Um, nor would they want around them. But Jesus actually wanted these kinds of people around him. And what he was able to do for them was absolutely incredible. And I believe this is the anointing that Jesus shares with us, that he told us that he would give us his spirit. And so we don't have the anointing of some angel. We don't have the anointing of some denomination. We don't have the anointing of some man because a man laid hands on us. We have the anointing, the spirit, the very spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that anointing, that spirit of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come to us as believers so that what Jesus began to do would be continued through our life. And we could destroy the works of the devil wherever we find them. We could destroy his works. And that's what's so beautiful because when you begin to actually see the Holy Spirit destroy the devil's works through you in somebody else's life then they are conditioned, they are ready to give their life to Jesus Christ. Because the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 4 that they don't believe because the God of this world has blinded their, their minds that they would not see the light. And so this God of the world is blinding them and holding them and, and imprisoning them. But the gospel comes and it doesn't necessarily speak to their mind, but it shines light into their heart and it destroys the works of the devil. It exposes Satan's lies. It exposes Satan's tactics. It exposes Satan's dead ends because that's all it is, is dead ends. Everyone that's walking with Satan right now is going to walk into a dead end of destruction. And trust me, multitudes upon multitudes of people are going to want life when they really begin to see, this is what I've been following. This is what I've been hoping for. This is the bill of goods I've been sold and it's empty and it's worthless and it's nothing. Can I get out of this? Is there another option for me? now? Is there somebody that can redeem me from this? But we have to expose Satan's works and we have to expose his deceptions. And so in Acts chapter 10, it talks about Jesus's anointing. And I want you to see this in verse 36. It says, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. This is the word God sent. He sent this word to the children of Israel. We know that this is the same word that would go to the Gentiles. And notice this, guys, it's peace. It's peace. It was the message of the angels at the birth of Jesus Christ. Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Praise God. God gave us a Savior because we're on a road of destruction. And God came and he just stood on that road of destruction as a beacon of light to show us the way of God. And it is peace. And praise God, this is the message that God has sent. Is peace by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They wanted Peter to stay with them, certainly to hear more about Jesus and this message that Peter is preaching. Well, this was Cornelius and his household. Cornelius was a man who was devout and after God. He was a man that was good. He gave tithes and offerings and he gave alms to the people and he honored God and he hated evil and he just didn't know who God was. And so he was seeking after God, wanting to know who God was, praying to know who God was. And God sent an angel to Cornelius and he said, go send for Peter. Peter will come and he'll tell you who God is. And Peter comes and this is the message that Peter's telling him that God sent his word into the world and that word is peace. Through Jesus Christ. It's the remission of your sins. And while Peter is preaching, these guys are so hungry for God. They're so hungry for Jesus Christ that they're just by faith eating up this word that Peter's preaching. And suddenly in the midst of his sermon, I mean, thank God they didn't have the religious telling them the order of everything. They just believe they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They're speaking with tongues. And then they get water baptized after that. It's just wonderful how God does it because they're so hungry for the Lord. And I believe that there's this kind of hunger in all people. But I believe Satan has stopped up the well. Satan has blinded the people from really knowing that everything they're looking for and everything they want is in Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to preach Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to tell people that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ. That God will forgive you of all of your sins through Jesus Christ. That is a great message. That's what he sent us to preach. That's what he gave us to declare. Now, I was thinking about this because he tells us in Acts 10, I think it's verse 38, it is, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. That, that's the same baptism that we've been given. This is the baptism of Jesus. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses for me. 
And so Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's given the Holy Ghost and he's given power. And what does he do with this power? What does he do with this Holy Spirit? And this is what I want you to understand. When goodness, because we believe that God is good. And the Bible declares that God is good. And in a world where everybody seems to be questioning the goodness of God. What does goodness in the flesh look like? Because it happened. Goodness, God became flesh. And goodness fleshed out, walked on the wor- in the world. And what did it look like? He went about doing good. That's what he did. Everyone that was oppressed of the devil, he was giving them freedom. Think about what Jesus Christ did when he was in the earth. This is goodness fleshed out. He fed the hungry. He elevated women. He placed value in children. He healed the sick. He interrupted funerals and caused widows to rejoice again and to be happy again. He brought hope to mankind. He brought salvation to anyone that wanted it. He was a light in the midst of darkness. And people flocked to him because he helped them and he loved them. And nobody felt left out. And nobody felt as though they could not approach Jesus Christ. Goodness fleshed out is Jesus Christ. And God living in his goodness is everything that Jesus Christ did. And it's everything that Jesus Christ was. And it's everything that Jesus Christ is. And we claim that Jesus lives in us. We claim that we are here to preach the message of Jesus Christ. And that is a message of peace. And that is the message I believe that we need to preach. So Jesus comes and he exposes Satan and he heals the sick and he feeds the poor. And he does all of these missions of mercy. And he rescues multitudes of people from their torment. That's what goodness fleshed out looks like. And there's something else. Something else goodness did. Oh, yes. He was crucified for us. He was stripped naked and bore our shame, carried our sorrows. And was chastised for our peace. And we esteemed him smitten and stricken of God and afflicted. But God rejoiced in his day. For by his righteous servant he would redeem many. And he became poor. So we could become rich. That's goodness. And he who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's goodness. Not that we can do that. But we can certainly preach that to the world. I want you to look at a couple of other scriptures with me. Isaiah 52. And then we're going to look at a couple of verses in the book of Acts. But in Isaiah 52. In verse 5. This is just before. Some of the things I quoted from Isaiah 53, which is the incredible messianic prophecy of Jesus' crucifixion and sin offering. But I want you to see his entrance into the world. Isaiah 52 is also a messianic prophecy. And he tells us in Isaiah 52 verse 5, Now therefore, 
as God is looking down upon the people. And God is looking down upon Israel. And God says, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord. And my name continually every day is blasphemed. And so God is looking down and he sees his people. He sees Israel. No doubt he sees the world and he sees Gentiles. God says, what have I here? Look at this. Somebody is tormenting my people. Somebody is inflicting so much pain into my people that it's causing them to howl. They're in agony. They're writhing in pain. They're suffering from discomfort. And they blaspheme me every day. So what is God going to do about it? My people will know my name. I'm going to do something about it. They shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold or look, it's me. It is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings. That publisheth peace. That brings good tidings of good. That publishes salvation and that says to Zion, your God reigns. Here it is, a people tormented, a people in agony, a people howling, a people moaning from their torment and their suffering and their imprisonment and their inflictions that they're under. God looks on it and he pities the people. God does not take delight when the people are suffering. God does not take delight when people are mourning in agony. Because somebody with power over their life is torturing them. God says, I will come and you will know my name. And when I come, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him that brings these good tidings. I can, I can only picture, because this is a messianic song. I can only, only picture when Jesus Christ was descending that mountain and John the Baptist was standing in the Jordan River longing for his day, knowing that it's this one day I have lived for. My whole life I lived for this. From this day forward, I will decrease and he will increase. This is my moment. And he pointed to him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How beautiful are those feet? How beautiful are those feet? He's here to publish good news. He's here to give good tidings. He is here to declare to everyone, our God reigns. Well, how are you going to do that, Jesus? I'm going to set the demon possessed free. I'm going to cast the devils out. Those devils that made people dumb, I'm going to cast them out and open their tongue again and cause them to see again. I'm going to defeat Satan for the people because I cannot bear the howling of the people in the midst of their torment. Oh, praise God for a Savior who is good and a message that is good. And this is what we ought to be preaching, that our God reigns. Because the people are mourning today. And the people are howling today. Because every time we see a clip on TV that disgusts us. Because of the degeneration of thinking. And because of the, the whole world seems to be going after this antichrist in our world today. The church should be saying, oh God, I hear them howl as well. And this message of good news is the only thing that's going to save them and expose Satan. Oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost, Lord. That spirit of Jesus, give him to me. Give him to me. 
so that I too can go about and do good and publish good news and glad tidings to people everywhere. Oh, how beautiful that our God reigns. And then he says in verse 8, Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And I love that. The watchmen lift their voice. And what do they do? They begin to sing. And they begin to sing. Why? Because they see eye to eye. Imagine that. It was no longer here we are before God. And there's God in that temple hidden behind that veil that only a high priest can enter. And no longer is it just man here on earth and God somewhere up in the heavens. But God became flesh and he's eye to eye. He's right here. Behold your God. You will know his name. And the ends of the earth will see his salvation. And everywhere in this world, this gospel goes and brings the message of the glorious redemption of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed men. Praise God that he has. And he makes people sing. And he makes people happy. And he makes people glad. Why? Because they were depressed and distressed. And they were howling in pain before they met Jesus. And some of you guys are doing that right now. Howling in pain. Howling in misery. You think your smart self is going to turn your life around. How many more years are you going to try to do this with your addictions? When are you going to just fall on your face before this God and say, I need a God who's eye to eye. I need a God who'll come down here and rescue me and break the bondages that I'm in and chase the devils away from my life. I need a God who'll redeem me and a God who'll save me. And God will turn your mourning into joy. And you will be happy and you will rejoice and you will be glad. And you'll wander around everywhere. Why did I take so long to give my life to Jesus Christ? Don't look at these Christians for the evidence of that. These Christians are as depressed as anybody you'll ever meet. These half-hearted Christians that are lukewarm, half of their foot in the world and the other half in the kingdom of God makes Jesus sick. He says, I'd spew you out of my mouth. Don't look at them as the evidence of joy. Look at those who are followers of the Lamb of God in whom the Holy Spirit lives, who could do anything in the world and they choose to serve Jesus Monday through Monday. All the days of their life, they found the one that their soul loves and the one who loves their soul. Wow, nothing like being in that kind of love. And then in Acts chapter 19, if you'll look at this with me, I just want to read this. There's an explanation here I want to refer to in just a second. In Acts 19, verse 11, this is the ministry of someone like us. He didn't walk with Jesus in the flesh. 
He didn't witness the things that the apostles did. He's just Saul of Tarsus. A man who hated Jesus. A man who was howling in his religious torment. Until Jesus came to him eye to eye and said, Saul, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Saul gave up his fight that day and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he would never go back. And his pursuit was arrested in this one thing that I might know him. And I would suffer the loss of all things that I might know him. And this is the life of the spirit of God in a man just like us. Don't think of Paul as more. He would never want you to. The religious Saul of Tarsus would want you to think a lot about him. Admiring. Strive to be like him. But this Paul, it's all Jesus. I'm no different than you. You're no different than me. Look what God did through his life. The Bible tells us in verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. How many of you begin to say, God, do some special miracles again. Let the world be confronted with your goodness. Let the world be confronted with your mercies. Not only a gospel that has glad tidings, but Lord, let there be the acts of the Holy Spirit that leave men glad that you were there. Demon-possessed people sitting in their right minds, no longer tormented or howling. These special miracles, praise God, that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Isn't that incredible? I mean, maybe it was something like that. Hey, Paul, would you pray over this handkerchief? Or maybe some people just wanted to say, Paul, would you just carry this around and then give it back to me in a day or so? And I'm going to go give it to some people that I know are sick. If we didn't have this in the Bible, we would think that these were some really crazy things that are going on. But this is what God was doing, special miracles. God can still do special things. We can begin to pray, oh God, I don't know who might be watching online, but do a special miracle through that internet. Do something incredible through that, God. Who knows what God might do through the power of his Holy Spirit if we would believe God and allow God to be mighty through our life. In verse 18, it says, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, which is magic, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they, cont- they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his word. But, but do you understand what, what is one of the themes that we just read about this? It wasn't so much about the preaching of Paul as it was the special miracles that were being wrought through him because of the Holy Spirit. No doubt Paul preached the message and proclaimed the gospel. But as I believe and we all believe and we cry for that we need to see a demonstration of God's spirit in the world today. 
The works of Jesus were as important as what Jesus said. That's the beginning of the book of Acts. And so we need to be able to understand that we are called upon to live supernatural lives because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not to live normal lives. We're not to look at the world as though it's hopeless and it's a basket case. We're not to look at a group of people and say they're too far gone. We're not to look at a generation of young people and say their minds have been taken over by a demon. God, the Holy Ghost, lives in you. And that devil can be exposed and people can be brought out of their torment and they can come into the gladness of Jesus Christ. But the church needs to believe God again. And, and, and the difference between them and us is, my God, how, mu- how much occultic stuff do we have in our homes? How many occultic books do we have like Harry Potter and other things like that in our homes? And we read and we enjoy. But they were coming, they were burning this because, my God, here's Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And this is satanic and dark and I want nothing to do with it. Why would I turn to these weak and beggarly things when God is with me? But we keep our feet half in the world and half in the kingdom of God and wonder where's the power of God? Power of the Lord, the salvation of God. Jesus came and he brought blessings and he brought glory and he brought goodness. And he blessed the people and the people were happy. Not all of the people were, but the people that were howling were happy. The sinners were happy. The funerals that Jesus interrupted were happy. Mary and Martha got happy because of the goodness of Jesus, goodness in the flesh when it showed up at a funeral. Jairus was very happy when goodness in the flesh showed up at his daughter's bedroom. They were happy. The woman at the well was happy when goodness in the flesh came to her. Zacchaeus was happy when goodness in the flesh came to his home. This is what goodness looks like when it becomes flesh. It looks like Jesus Christ. And of his spirit we have received. What a wonderful moment it must have been. When Jesus in his hometown. About 30 years old. Had a great reputation in his town. Favored and liked by all the people. He grew in favor with God and man. Hard work in Jesus. Good, good young man. Everybody's opinion probably is going to go far. You can trust him. He's very ethical, very honest. If you need Jesus to make you a rocking chair, he's going to give you a right price. But one day he comes into the synagogue. And he did something he never did before. And he took the scroll of Isaiah and he opened it up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Deliverance for those that are held captive. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to heal the bruised. And I'm going to tell the rejected and the sinner and the outcast. The father says, come home. And he went and he sat and every eye was fastened upon him. 
And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he went forth into that world and did that very thing. And he made the people happy. He blessed them. He did good. And that should be our ministry. We should make people happy. I received a, a text, uh, an email from a family that lives out of state. And they're precious friends of ours. We've, we've, we've met them through church, through ministry. And she sent me this text. I wanted to share it with you because this should be a testimony of our life. She said, Pastor Lee, I have to share a testimony with you. I listen to almost all of your studies and sermons. They have been and still are so life-changing. Just so encouraging and challenging and faith-building. Your studies on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Lord used those studies so much to open up my eyes to things and increase my faith. And believing and asking the Lord to give me this gift in this moment of my life. For my daughter Angelina, who is every day nearer to salvation, recently got diagnosed from her primary doctor with rheumatoid arthritis. It is an autoimmune disease and can be very crippling. She's only 19. All the blood work her primary did showed her inflammation levels double of a normal person. It was very discouraging. She's so young. See, she, should, see, she suggested, that was a tough one for me. She suggested a rheumatologist for her treatment. So we went. I prayed and believed often prior to that appointment that the Lord could and would heal her. Before that appointment, the Lord told me to lay hands on her and pray and believe he would heal her through me. To do a miracle and heal and touch her body. So I asked if I could. She said yes. So I did. And I truly believed God more than ever that he was able. I thought if he can change my heart. There is literally nothing he can't do. Even if it looks impossible. He can. My faith was so strong. So we prayed and went in. The doctor wanted to do all her own blood work, many of the same tests the other doctor did, and x-rays. For the last two weeks, every x-ray and test result has come back negative. The doctor messaged us today, no autoimmune disease. Everything is normal. I'm still just in awe of his goodness and faithfulness. He touched her body. She has had no joint pain since the appointment. She used to get it all the time. That's the reason we went to the doctor in the first place. God is so awesome. It's so amazing. A miracle. Thank you so much for your ministry, Lee. Us Maddens love you 
and your family so much. And Mary and Matt, we love you so very much, dear friends. And I'm thankful that in whatever way my life and your life, because no doubt many of you could share similar testimonies, that just by passing through this life with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of the Lord upon us, people can respond to you with testimonies like that. That through your life, God touched me, gave me the faith to believe him. And Jesus Christ has done wonders in my life. No doubt I would say that the Maddens are glad today. I would say that they're happy because the Spirit of the Lord worked through the church and she had the faith to believe him to heal her daughter. I want to share with you just a couple of more scriptures and then I'm going to close with something. This is in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we see in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them and taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. This is Philip. This isn't Peter. This isn't Matthew. This isn't John. This is Philip. He's a deacon in the church. Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit. Philip went to Samaria And what the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus doing, the Holy Spirit was upon Philip doing. Why can't he do that through us? Every day of our life, wherever we go. Be wonderful to say, Fran went down into the marketplace. He went down to Albertsons and comes back Sunday and says, God wrought a miracle through our life. Imagine what would happen to the city. The power of God came, and it says in verse 8, and I love this, and there was great joy in that city. That should be the result of the gospel. That should be the result of followers of Jesus. That should be the result of a church filled with the Holy Spirit, that the city was filled with joy. And then the Bible tells us in chapter 13 of Acts, this is the last scripture I'm going to read. It tells us this in verse 46. Then Paul, and I love what Paul says here. It says, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Well, what have you said that to someone today? You know, well, where's the love of God in you? 
But here's the Apostle Paul saying that because the Jews were rejecting the gospel that he was offering them time and time again. And he was basically saying, well, if you don't want this, I'll go to the Gentiles who want it. And did the Gentiles want it? You better believe it. Verse 17, verse 47, for so hath the Lord commanded us saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But everybody wasn't happy. The Jews weren't happy. They were stirred. Devout men and women. And the chief men of the city. They raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And expelled them out of their coast. So Paul and Barnabas shake the dust of their feet against them. And they came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And beloved, that's it. You know, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that said, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through any man or woman is going to leave people mad, glad, or sad. But they'll never remain the same. And we find this in this very context where the Apostle Paul comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's power in this man's life to set people free. There's power to give People, the power over addictions, over tormenting spirits, over bondages in their life. But the Jews did not want it. And he left them mad. But he turned to the Gentiles with the gospel and he left them glad. And that's the way it ought to be with our ministry. That people who are wanting life and they're wanting Jesus Christ are going to be able to come to the gospel and they're going to be glad. But everybody's not going to be glad. Everybody's not going to be happy with this. The devils aren't going to be happy with this. The religious may not be happy with this. But there's a multitude of people waiting for this salvation of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we might just have to say, you know what, I'm going to hand you over to God and I'm going to after people that really want it. We've been trying to get church people and religious people to be committed to Jesus Christ. We've been trying to get people who say they know God to follow God. Well, maybe it's time that we turn to the people that don't know anything about him. Maybe it's time we turn to a new group of Gentiles out there who are addicted to drugs and Satanism and they're confused sexually. And we go out there and we give them the gospel of Jesus. Christ and leave the city glad because people have turned from darkness to light. Maybe we're trying so hard to get people who know better to do better and they're not trusting the grace of God that we go find the people who know nothing and can do nothing for themselves and bring Christ to them. Not just in word, but in the power of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God and the manifestation of God's power upon our life that they would be able to see God. It's the partnership of the Holy Spirit. We don't need another preacher and we don't need another church. That's not the answer. It's the presence and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit heal a lame man at Gate Beautiful and you'll be preaching to 5,000 men in a few moments. The Holy Spirit knows how to draw a crowd and he knows how to get people together. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker. And listen to me, if the Holy Spirit can take handkerchiefs off of the body of the Apostle Paul and they can be brought to the sick and they can be delivered of their devils and the sick can be cured of their diseases because the Holy Spirit would work through a handkerchief, then by God, the Holy Spirit can work through a bag of testimonies with a cookie in it and the Holy Spirit can work through a shoebox and the Holy Spirit can work through our ties and the Holy Spirit can work through our life. 
God has used donkeys and stones and rods and fiery furnaces and whales and the jawbones of donkeys to wrought miracles in the earth. Give him what you've got. Quit saying it's unimportant. Put it into the hands of the Holy Ghost and go out there with the faith to believe I am anointed of God. Not to sit around and just wait for Jesus to come back, but to go out into that world and prove to them that the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God and they need to get right with God and we leave the people glad there's some joy in the city because people that were given up by the doctors are healed now wouldn't that be great that people who've gone through AA and they've gone through 12-step programs and they still can't get past their alcoholism have found life and salvation through Jesus Christ. And heroin addict- addicts are set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And families are restored and they're not going to get divorced now because of the power of Jesus Christ. Let's have some testimonies like that. Let's see the glory of God like that. Stand with me if you will. Stand with me. What do you have to offer God? Do you have a a rod, a car, a house, a stone, whatever it may be? The glory is God. The answer is partnership with the Holy Spirit. Oh, what God can do to believe God for special miracles again. Special demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would say this morning that, Lord, I want an anointing of the Holy Spirit that would leave people who want you glad and to leave people that reject you mad. My life life might cause riots in the city, but let it be because they reject you. But give me this anointing of the Holy Spirit. So that good things can happen through my life. Because even for those that would reject Jesus and cry for his crucifixion, he did good to them. He was good. Goodness in the flesh. Heal broken hearts. Please let my life heal broken hearts. He was patient even with the religious. He would sit with them through the night and he would talk about the kingdom of God. God, give me this patience that I might be able to lead people out of religious error into liberating truth. Give me grace in my spirit and grace in my heart and grace in my words. God, we need to see the demonstration of Jesus again. Lord, we cannot do this without you. Lord, it's a hardened society. The whole world has gone after Antichrist. Oh God, show them they're wrong. Oh God, grant power to your people. Thank you for Mary Madden, God. Thank you for Angelina. Let her be saved today, God. Father, thank you for touching that that body that was sick and inflamed with disease and chasing it out. Thank you for leaving that family glad. 
Let them have great joy by her salvation. Father, help us to be a source of joy and gladness to our lost family. And if they don't want you, then maybe they'll continue to hate us. But Lord, if we're hated, let it be for the truth and for love's sake. Give us boldness, God. Pray for your city. Oh my God, politicians aren't praying for it. for the churches oh that God would be seen as good today those that are howling in their pain and their agony would be able to meet with God and he would fight for them and he would deliver them and he would reign over their life Go to people in this room that are sick. Just believe God. Go to people that are hurting. And just believe God. Say, I don't know what to say. Just call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to know what to do. Jesus knows what to do.